0: All right, uh, we we didn't even address. It's just you and me tonight.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, we, to we have no that.
0: halfway halfway through the episode. We didn't even
1: explain that John's not here. Yeah, uh, I should probably cut John, this part more towards the, middle, the <laughs> beginning. Of the yeah, episode.
0: maybe I'll put. Maybe this will be the beginning of the episode. John was um, he was murdered. He was murdered, <laughs> and his spooky spooky ghost is haunting us. Murder right spooky ghost has taken place. Right, spooky ghost John. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna edit in his voice saying something. Oh, I John from like a previous episode. Just edit, edit in him giggling. Or I something. don't
1: know. I feel like I could pull off Spooky John. Ooh, guys, <laughs> Ooh. how's it going in the afterlife, Spooky John? I, I don't know. It's all right, guys. Like, I don't know. I can't. I can't do it, John. All right. <laughs> no, that was perfect. All You're right. a very good Spooky John. Yeah, I tried welcome to the good games podcast my name is leo and my name is james we switched it up a little bit there yeah that was i i I don't know what just happened huh does it sound kind of like you
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Should I just be you this
1: episode and you be I don't me? Know. That might be too difficult.
0: I have to, I have to speak with a very low, <laughs> deep voice. I don't, I don't
1: even, I don't even know how I would begin to portray you. Like, <laughs> I think I would be kind of a louder, more energetic Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Yeah. Nerdier, I guess, too. Yeah. I don't I just, even know how to do that. I, it's just I can't. I can't. I can't even physically begin to try imitating you, James.
0: I just got to be a very low, deep, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm
1: easy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Just very, mm-hmm. uh, very even-voiced, <laughs> Leo. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep that up, though. I'm, no. I'm probably not going to keep that. Up. No, no, no. There's, no. There's no, no way.
1: We're back. Uh, oh hey. that was a weird. All that right. was a Halloween Twilight Zone moment. We're now we're back to normal.
0: Well, I'm going to play off your segue there, and because it is the month of October, we are contractually obliged to cover spooky things, Uh, and we're actually going to take, this is is mostly, if this is for some reason your first episode of the Good Games podcast, we are (laughs) normally a podcast, we are normally a podcast that covers video games. We are taking a one episode break to cover board games. Or maybe we're a podcast that just covers games, and sometimes yeah. we cover video games, and sometimes we cover board games. Most most yeah. of the time we cover video games. Today we're talking games, about yeah. tabletop games, but they're spooky tabletop games, Leo. We're talking about uh, <laughs> the popular betrayal at the yes. house on the hill. Yes.
1: Ooh. Spooky. Yeah.
0: It's very spooky.
1: I feel like it was just yesterday we pulled out the spooky thing. Mm, what do you mean i guess it was last year
0: yeah well yeah it's It's been a whole year
1: spooky episode yeah
0: yeah what did we what did we do
1: last year resident evil i think Mm, yeah that sounds right yeah yeah Mm, good good all right well here we are again talking about spooky betrayal
0: spooky good old spooky betrayal that's what i call it yeah so um this was like one of the first games i played so like People, people who play, people who are, like, really into board games talk about gateway games, oh, yeah. uh, which, which are, like, if you're really, really into board games and you're trying to get, like, other people into board games, like, one of the obstacles you run into is you have to convince people that board games are more than just, like, Monopoly and, like, Trouble and Sorry and, like, all these, like, fucking shitty-ass board <laughs> games. You have to convince yeah. people that playing a board game is really fun. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um so you, you have these like what what we call gateway games which are usually um not very complex you just have like simple rules and um they're, they're like easy to learn easy to teach easy to play and still are a good time betrayal yeah. at the house on the hill was my gateway game this was like the mm-hmm. first game i played like i think uh when i was in college and i played this and i was like what the hell like what board <laughs> games are good yeah I, I had such a good time with my first game of Betrayal. Uh, I think what drew me in was like the theming. I liked the idea of like a Scooby-Doo haunted house where like <laughs> any number of things could be in there, you know, Dracula or werewolves or zombies or aliens or, you know, whatever. It's, uh, it's all anyhow. part of
1: the, the, just the general theme, like of, like, is it, I mean, is betrayal is betrayal kind of like does it fall under the HP Lovecraftian sort of horror no, stuff? Or is I it just more know. general, like just general yeah. horror yeah. things? Okay, it, yeah,
0: it's okay. I, I would call it Scooby Doo horror, and that yeah. there could literally be anything, anything inside the anything mansion going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, literally anything. I guess that's um, true. Yeah, should, I guess we should actually explain what in in the off chance that you haven't played this game. It, it is a very popular game uh, more so recently because um, I think target has started the you know the the retail store target has started stocking uh, uh, betrayal and target actually has a pretty decent selection of board they games do. now which is good that's yeah, good um, but a lot a lot more people I think are playing this because like you don't have to go to a hobby store to find betrayal you or order it offline or something you just walk into target and people go oh what's this oh board games are good like which yeah. is very good for for the hobby of course um so betrayal is huh, 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 a really weird board game <laughs> betrayal is uh, uh, huh, a game where ostensibly uh, you're you're exploring a haunted house and it has an element of tile laying right so you start out in like the foyer of this mansion and you can go in any direction uh, and you have this stack of tiles that is randomized. So uh, every time you play your, 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 your haunted mansion, is going to look different. Maybe, you know, you, you go left out of the foyer and you find the kitchen, or maybe you go left out of the foyer and you find the ballroom, right? It's all, it's just because it's a, it's a randomized stack of tiles that you're drawing from. Right. Um, and also uh, about whatever, halfway through the game, you're 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 exploring rooms you're finding items your events spooky 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 events happen while you're exploring the mansion (laughs) right one of these things is uh called picking up an omen and if you have a certain number of omens you have to roll dice and anyway (laughs) uh a haunt what they call the haunt happens and um two things happen first of all you're you actually start playing a game (laughs) because for the first for the first half of the trail right yeah, there's really no objective other than just explore the house. You're just right. kind of just exploring the house and trying to stock up on like supplies and right. items, F- I guess. find items and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: you're, you're kind of, it's a preparation phase. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, the the second half. First of all, a board game starts in the second half of the game yeah. uh, because you actually get rules for like you get a rule, you get rules and a win condition, right. and the win condition is um, different. It, it's different every single time uh, because when the haunt starts, you have to flip to a certain page in a book that is dependent in the, de- in the page you have to flip to is determined by the room you're in when you picked up this omen that triggered the haunt and the omen itself. So there's two different factors that determine which page you flip to. Mm-hmm. And the page has your rules. So like, here's the rule set for how you win or lose, uh, which is uh, it turns it into a, uh, usually it turns it into like a team-based game. So you have like a one v four or a, t- you know two v three or like sometimes it's strictly cooperative the rules and the wind conditions are different every single time and also and this is why i say it's a scooby-doo haunted house the villain like the monsters in the house and the scenario are different every time because like once you flip to the the this rule book to figure out what you're what you're actually doing the the story that sets up the the monsters and the it's really part of that scenario yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part mm-hmm. of the scenario. The well, scenario is introduced as different every time, hopefully, unless yeah. you've gotten the same scenario multiple times,
1: which is which. It, it can happen, but it's rare. Right? I was gonna say I've played this game
0: enough times where I've played a, um definitely a majority of the of the scenarios. Yeah. Uh, I think well, let's 50 not let's of not them. forget
1: let's not forget each yeah. scenario yeah. typically introduces one of the players that you've been playing with as the villain.
0: As the yes, which is why oh, they call the it the
1: betrayer. Yeah
0: the betrayer which is why they call it betrayal at the house of there's usually at least one of you is the betrayer
1: yeah
0: usually uh, sometimes it's like a full co-op or something right and you yeah sometimes uh and you join league uh or sometimes it's like every man for himself you know whatever and you uh the person who is the betrayer if there is one is like in league with the monsters and often gets to control the monsters and just trying to kill the the remaining, what do they call them, survivors, heroes? I can't remember what the terminology is. Um, yeah, and you know the the other three or four people, depends on how many people you're playing with, are, are trying to stay alive and defeat all the monsters or escape the house or whatever the win condition whatever is. Whatever the
1: win condition is, right. So let's pause there for a second. Because yeah. I yeah. got to tell you that this game does two things that I, in playing this game, learned yeah. that I like very, very much in board games. And uh-huh. like like you said, it was almost an introduction to like, holy shit, board games can be really cool. Yeah. Number one, not introducing the win condition until well into the game. Apparently, I'm a big fan of that. Interesting. Like, I, it's kind of weird because you think most any game should have an objective from the very beginning. Yeah. But I, yeah, yeah. it almost adds this layer of mystery when you start out the game and you're still exploring and you're seeing certain like – yeah hints at what could possibly be happening or the different yeah. items that you're getting are kind of random. Uh, but uh. And then the game starts. And it like, I don't know, I, I like that sort of um, momentum of the game, that cadence of the game.
0: I, I kind of agree with you. It does sound weird if you haven't played this game, playing a game without a win condition, which is exactly what you're doing for the first half of this. But like, I was, I'm never bored. Like, I'm always like, ooh, yeah. I hope I get some good items or some cool events or something. Like, yeah. it's never like, it's so never like, oh my God, hurry up. Let's get to the second half, you know?
1: It's like any good meal starts with a good appetizer first.
0: Yeah, it's, it, yes, the first half of this game is a very good appetizer.
1: Yeah. And then the second thing this game does that I, turns out I love is when you have some way that you have players in a room and mm-hmm. the game has to come up with some mechanic to tell a small number of players in a room, typically one or two, that they mm-hmm. are the bad players person and then they have to come back in that room and be the bad person in the same room as all the good people like yes like any game that does that apparently is one of my favorite games
0: (laughs) yeah yes By by the way once once the haunt starts and if there is a betrayer they get like a separate rule book and go to like a separate physical location right like if you have a different room in, in your house or like a bathroom or something they like usually go in the bathroom and read the rule book and read what they're supposed to be doing. While the heroes read what they're supposed to be doing and like discuss their strategy and whatever. Yeah. And then after, you know, 10 15 minutes of of debate and discussion, then you like come back and you have like a game plan for like oh, the villain you know, the the betrayer's got a game plan for how he's going to corner all the heroes and the heroes have a game plan for how they're going to escape or whatever it is they're yeah. trying to do. It's like, so, you're, yeah.
1: But you're all, it's like, you're always holding secrets from each other. So like when you yeah. first get back in that room together, that mm-hmm. like that kind of awkward wait in the room where like everyone yeah. knows that they know <laughs> something he like, the villain mm-hmm. doesn't know and the villain knows something mm-hmm. they don't like. I love that. Like it, I just, any game that can do that is apparently really, really fun for me. <laughs> I really like those like 15
0: minutes. If you're not, the betrayer i i really like those 15 minutes where you're like coming up with a game plan for like what you're going to do that's fun because like it's like okay you're like you're gonna run to the attic and like grab the knife i'm gonna like you know go to the basement and chant the spell of weakening or whatever and then (laughs) like you you're just gonna make a mad dash for the door or whatever like I, i love that and then it's like okay break let's do this like yeah. You
1: know? And then the it's, fun it's, part it. about the fun part about be- betrayal specifically is you'll make this whole plan with your party of non betrayers. And then the betrayer comes in and is like, oh, uh, by the way, I control this glowing orb that can go into any room through walls and. Yeah, vacuum. yeah. Like, and you know, everyone's like, like and you're this like, is, ah, is some shit. bullshit. Yeah. yeah, it spoils the yeah, whole yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, you, you kind of have to guess because, like, usually there's some thematic hints at what the villain can do. And you right. kind of have to like guess at what the rules may be because usually the villain doesn't tell you exactly what he can and can't do. Right. You know. Yeah.
1: That's fun, yeah. man. Like having that layer of again, it's like it's a mystery. It's like it's mystery. It's mm-hmm. it's like a, a, a Scooby Doo show. Like it's yeah. mysterious the entire way through. First it's like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" And then it's like, "What's happening?" And then it's like, "What can the villain pull out of his sleeve, you know, that's going to trick us all, you know?" Uh, um that's great
0: yeah um so uh as much as i like loved this game when i first played this was like my first gateway game uh i've <laughs> grown to like like i rarely ever play this game anymore because yeah. because this game can be amazing right Right. this game can also be fucking terrible because <laughs> because what happens when so the the, the okay the, the the thing we just described where there's 50 there's like 50 or 60 different scenarios that are in the base box and they are all randomly triggered by um you know you're, you're in a random room with random items or whatever the the board state is unknown to the scenario right so the scenario has, like, usually some pretty loose rules because it doesn't really know what the board state is. So, like, I've played games where it's like, okay, like, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Dracula. And, uh, like, I win if I get to my coffin. And then, like, the coffin is in the basement or whatever. And I have to get down to the basement. You guys have to stop me. But, like, the problem is sometimes Dracula can just start, like, one room or a- away from the basement.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of, like, random, and the map, right?
0: Exactly, because yeah. the the scenario doesn't know what the board looks like. <laughs> so it's like, okay, Dracula just moves one space, and he's like, cool, I win. And everyone's like, oh, oh shit. well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, this kind of sucks. And yeah. I've had, like, I've had a bunch of times playing this game where it's like the scenario works perfectly and, like, You know, everything's spaced out kind of well, like the, the house isn't spaced in such a way that people's starting positions are right next to their objectives, you know? Right. But I've also had, like, objective, or I've also had ones where it's like, okay, the heroes have to find the, like, whatever, the Staff of Judgment, and it's the monster's only weakness, right? But, like, the heroes, like, nobody on the board has the Staff of Judgment, and it like you have to like just keep exploring rooms and finding Until you find new it. items yeah. yeah yeah and it's like oh the staff of judgment was just on the bottom of the draw deck and <laughs> oh, we were we just never got to it like oh, oh okay well yeah. fuck yeah like that's the problem with this game it's like like it can be good but because of the way because of what this game is because because it's like 50 different scenarios that are all randomly triggered by random things in the scenarios can't possibly be aware of what the state of the board is like you can also have bullshit scenarios and like i don't know like i it's not worth it to for me to put this game on the table knowing that i might be playing a bullshit scenario you know
1: yeah and that's the risk that you that you take for sure yeah and like i don't know i'm kind of curious what you think is a way to solve that or Uh. what have certain games maybe done better that well i I wanted to so
0: i think what two years ago three years ago betrayal came out with um its first expansion which is widow's walk right i've played something something widow's walk Mm -hmm. and i was like cool like all right i can't wait to see all the new rules and like ways that they fixed the like wobbliness of the base game no they didn't (laughs) they didn't address any of it all 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 widow's walk is is like more cards, more rooms, more tiles and more scenarios. I'm like that's not what this game needs. This game does not need more. It just needs like tighter. It doesn't need it doesn't need to expand. It needs to rein in a little bit some of the wobbliness, right? But like that's not what they were going for in the expansion. It was like, "Oh, like let's just make it bigger."
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, more. Oh, no. Yeah, more of the Yeah, same, yeah. Right. And well, I, I played a bunch of
0: the expansion scenarios and didn't really like any of them either. Really?
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I think, I can't recall if I actually played the expansion or if I just played like a second edition or something of Betrayal. Uh, yeah, or- the one the one that's in
0: Target right now, I think is the second edition.
1: Yeah, I want to say that yeah. I ended up playing that. And so it was, I guess, the same game, but there were yeah. some differences in it that I think maybe they tried to tweak some of the balancing of those weird scenarios and stuff so that might be worth a look
0: uh well they also came out with i think last year they came out with betrayal at Baldur's gate oh that's uh, what which it was
1: that's what i played yeah you I played Baldur's gate okay all right
0: uh i've never played betrayal at Baldur's gate so i don't know what like is it just the same game but different theme like is it just the same game but like knights and in zombies and dragon like is like a scary castle okay
1: but i think that they they like i said i think it's it's like it's very much the same game but with different characters and stuff but then they also i think took some ideas from the second edition of betrayal where like i think there's there's just something slightly different about the mechanics of how the haunting was triggered Uh and stuff like that 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 kind of made it i don't know go more fluidly that's just my take on it and i only played it once or twice but
0: um but i think the most exciting thing and i was actually i was hoping i would get a chance to try this uh before we recorded this episode and and maybe if i do get a chance to try this before i edit this episode i'll just edit in a little snippet of me talking about it but i got for my birthday uh-huh. i got betrayal legacy
1: Ooh, oh um, it's a legacy which, one
0: yeah, so if you've ever heard of any of the Legacy games by Rob Davio, so, like, Pandemic Legacy is, like, probably one of the most popular ones. Uh, so he's gone, a whole. he's, Rob Davio has made a whole bunch of Legacy. He's got, like, Risk Legacy, Pandemic Legacy. He had a, uh, there's, like, a Battleship one that I forget what that one's called. Anyway,
1: Ooh, this that. is,
0: uh, this is Betrayal Legacy. So it's kind of pivoting into, like, a campaign which I think is really interesting. I don't know if this is gonna solve any of the like inherent base <laughs> basic problems with betrayal, right. but I really I'm really interested to see what a campaign means because I think there's a lot of cool space you can experiment with because like um, if you've ever played like these legacy games, one of the hallmarks of the legacy games is like you have stickers and labels and you write, you take a pen out and you write on your cards and you write on your tiles and, like, you permanently change them. And that that's kind of just part of the game is you, you're, uh, you're, like, making permanent changes to the thing. What, anyway, I've looked at the rules for Betrayal Legacy. Like, one of the cool things is, like, if you draw an item... Okay. First of all, let me say the premise of Betrayal Legacy is you encounter this spooky mansion, whatever, just like the base game. Right. But... It's you, the first time you encounter it is in like 16 in the 1600s and every subsequent campaign is like 50 to a hundred years later. So you're playing like you play a family throughout the campaign and you're playing like the next generation of that family member, like, like you know, the next generation. And so like now, like instead of 1650, now it's the 1700s. And you're playing so-and-so. Whoever you were in the last campaign, you're playing that person's son. Anyway, one of the cool things you can do is like when you draw an item in Betrayal Legacy, is you can say, like, oh, this is my family heirloom. So it's like, oh, you draw an item that just says knife, but then you can mark down, um, like, oh, this is, like, Leroy Johnson's knife. Okay. Uh, Which is, like, because you get to name your character at the beginning of your campaign. Right. So like even if Leroy Johnson dies or even if he survives or whatever, like knife still two, yeah, his knife is still in the deck. So like two or three games later, it's like oh holy shit, I found Leroy Johnson's knife in the basement. (laughs) Like ah, remember Leroy Johnson when he got like impaled by Dracula? That was amazing. Anyway, like I like that. (laughs) That's cool. But like also, I'm I'm pretty sure like um so like different like if you die in a room, you have to put like you know this is so and so's ghost who who now haunts this room so you just end up with like a whole bunch of tiles that are just like haunted now i'm pretty sure that's how it's it's going to work that you you in addition to permanently changing the items um you also permanently change the tiles on the board and like also that has gameplay effects too it's not just thematic so when you draw leroy johnson's knife if you're in the Johnson family several generations later, you still you get you get like a stat bonus. Stat if bonuses. You're, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: That's cool. Yeah. I like that. So like I don't know if it fixes
0: any of the problems with betrayal, but I like the ideas that it's hacking. I like the idea of playing a legacy version of betrayal, like a campaign version of betrayal. That but, sounds really interesting to me. I, I mean like,
1: for, for, for for what it's worth, I think yeah. be- betrayal like 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 you said, I I don't think that it's necessarily the first game that I would grab if if I had some friends over who are you know exactly yeah well versed in the world of board gaming. But I think Mm -hmm. that if if there's someone who maybe has never played it, I'm very quick to try to like run a game and introduce them to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think despite its flaws, for the most part, it works really well. Yeah. So so I would say yeah, I think a legacy game might not fix the same problems it's always had, but that sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm excited.
0: Here's the one thing I... I I haven't even... I obviously haven't played the game yet. Here's the one thing that I think kind of gets fixed. Kind of. If you have that bullshit scenario where it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so is just like one square away from winning the The game. And it's just like, like, oh, fuck. Well, that kind of sucks. That kind of gets woven into the narrative, like the larger narrative of your campaign. It was like, oh, hey... Remember when the fucking Wolfman beat us in that one turn and like slaughtered us in in one turn? Like that—that mm. that is now like a canon piece of gotcha story that is woven into your larger campaign. Where whereas that doesn't really happen in like the normal base game because yeah. it's just you know it's the game, game just and ends in a siloed
1: game, right? So maybe their plan here is: look, eight out of ten times betrayal goes flawlessly. So, our yeah. hope is that if we have a campaign of 10 games, yeah. you know, 80% of the time, the players will be very happy with uh, how fair things were after the haunting. Uh, yeah, but uh, those
0: 2% just, just are like, I don't know, it's like a fun story you can tell now as opposed to, like, a shitty story yeah. that happened that one time we tried it's to play part this game. It's part of the grander game. tale now yeah. instead of yeah, that yeah, one... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I guess that's that's a good enough way of to mitigate that feeling, but... Legacy games aren't necessarily for every every group of people. Uh, oh no,
0: you have to have like a regular play group that yeah. you can do multiple. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's
0: yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited for this. I'm excited. I will. I will edit in a little snippet here uh, of how my playthrough went. Hello, future James here. Uh, I did end up getting to play the first scenario of uh, Betrayal Legacy. Uh, it was good. It doesn't really solve any of the problems with the base game of Betrayal at the House on the Hill, um, but the first scenario, the, at least the first scenario, um, controls the variables very tightly by having a very small tile set to start with and a very small um, item and event stack to, to start with. So it doesn't really fix the problems so much as it controls them. And I'm curious to see if we're going to uh, keep these variables very tightly under control because one of the hallmarks of a legacy game is you can also destroy components. So I'm wondering throughout this campaign if we're going to keep destroying some of the cards and tiles to keep the, you know, huge variability of this game in check. Uh, but anyway, it was very good. I don't want to spoil anything, but um, it, it's a very good uh, first uh, tutorial scenario. Uh, and I had a, a very good time with it. Uh, so yeah, it uh, Betrayal Legacy. It was good. Uh, anyway, back to past James. But yeah, any other thoughts on Betrayal at the House on the Hill?
1: Uh, it's good.
0: It is good. It is It is a good game. If you have someone who likes like a horror theme, um, this is a very lightweight game that you can explore just just like a silly spooky theme without a whole lot of like weight of rules complexity it's a very easy game to teach and you know yeah yeah Yeah. so um (laughs) what is our top five we're doing top five board games right
1: yeah well i think the official top five was tabletop games
0: tabletop games top five tabletop games right so, do you want to go through the top fives like we normally did, where I go through and then you go through? Or do we want to do a consensus? Want
1: you know, I'm kind of in the here. mood to bring it back to the old way just while it's the two of us. Oh, oh all right. I, here we I go. Do, I do have a full five, and I figured you might as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. Oh, I also have a full five. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, should I start? Yeah. Uh, my number five is a really wacky, uh, intentionally imbalanced game of diplomacy and negotiation
1: Mm.
0: called cosmic encounter have you played this leo cosmic encounter
1: i have not played cosmic encounter
0: uh this is a very good it it's not quite a party game because like i think of party games like you know like um cards against humanity or like Mm. joking hazard or like code names or something something you can put down for a large group and you know it you don't have to explain a lot of rules. It just goes pretty easy. Right. Um, this has... You know, it, it has a moderate level of rules complexity. And it only plays up to, like, five or six people or something like that. But, like, it's a... I think of it as, like, my... Whatever. my It's a, it's a good party game that also has a fair amount of... Uh, whatever. Strategy and complexity. Basically, what you're doing in Cosmic Encounter is you're trying to score five points. So... Uh, the way you score points is in Cosmic Encounter is you have to invade somebody else's homeworld. So, Oh, by the way, you're all alien races, and you're all... Um, there are... Oh, God. I think in the base box for Cosmic Encounter, there's something like 50 or 60 different alien races. I have several of the Cosmic Encounter expansions, so I have like 100-plus alien races. Oh. So basically... And each alien race has their own power. So basically, basically, you're sitting at a table and you have no idea what bullshit anyone can pull on you at the same time. Basically, what you're trying to do is invade somebody else's homeworld, and you have a hand of cards, and the, your cards mostly all have numbers one to thirty. I think I think thirty's the biggest, maybe is the biggest. I don't know. It's been a while since I played. And normally in an encounter, you both flip over cards simultaneously. The bigger number wins, and that's how you decide a fight. But you don't always have to fight in Cosmic Encounter. You can say when you encounter somebody, you can say, uh, "Hey man, let's just be diplomatic, uh, di- diplomatic about this. We can we can negotiate." Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, you have to have a negotiation card in your hand, which is eh, not rare, but you know not common either. Uh, But both players have to play this diplomacy card. They can negotiate and maybe they can come to like a peaceful agreement on like, hey, I'll give you one point if you give me one point. Hmm. The problem is if somebody plays a diplomacy card and somebody plays a numbered card, even it's even if it's a low number, like one, two, or three, the number always wins. So you have to be sure nobody's gonna stab you in the back. Anyway, and there's also these really wacky, variable alien powers that can, you know, some people some of the alien powers, like, invert the numbers. So, like, 1 is 10 and, you know, 23 is 32 or, like, some some of them are uh, – they get really, really wacky. And you never know uh, – I, I play the variant where you don't know what the other person's power is until they use it. Anyway, it's a really wacky hmm. – fun game of diplomatic negotiations and backstabbing. Cosmic Encounter is my number five.
1: I do like backstabbing in my games, so that's uh, yeah. Yeah. That
0: cool. It's very fun.
1: Uh, my number five is, well, I didn't know if it really counted or not, so that's why I put it at number five. It does uh-huh. technically take place on a tabletop, uh, yeah. but we've talked about it many a times, especially when we talked about our top five favorite card games. And I'm speaking, of course, of Magic the Gathering. What how is Magic only your five? Um, I wanted to I figured that would be number one easy. I well I I wanted to like give other tabletop games an opportunity with this list. Like I broadened the genre because like I don't just want to always have Magic the Gathering at the top of all my lists. Okay. Okay. So I'm calling that a card game. So as far as a tabletop game. It's only halfway part of that. Okay. Okay. So, you know, cause it has a digital aspect and everything. So, you know,
0: so what makes magic, the gathering good in 2019?
1: Um, Oh man, it's just so good. Uh, <laughs> just, just trust me about it. It's a fantastic game. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about it at length. Everyone knows if they're still listening that I'm an avid magic fan. We, we don't have to say much more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, pvp collecting cards building your own deck fast-paced instant spells it's great
0: nice all right my number four is the board gamers board game twilight imperium uh this is a game i I don't think you've played this one either leo this is a game that will it will literally take you 8, nine, ten hours the first time you play it. <laughs> no exaggeration. Wow. You, this game will take your entire day, especially if you're playing with an inexperienced group who doesn't know the rules. Right. Um, this is... The, the game I previously described, Cosmic Encounter, uh, a round of Cosmic Encounter is like 10, 15 minutes maybe mm-hmm. uh, before somebody has five points. Yeah,
1: pretty fast. Uh, this so. is...
0: Yeah, this is pretty fast. This is Cosmic Encounter on steroids. Uh this game takes uh our group is pretty fast now. We can we can get a game done in about 5 or 6 hours. Jeez. Um but uh this game is usually yeah, it's usually you play 5 or 6 players. Um there is still just like Cosmic Encounter. I love that Twilight Imperium has a an aspect of like negotiation and diplomacy. Uh, But also there's an element of backstabbing because you could be like, hey, man, I'll set up a trade agreement with you where, you know, you give me three of your trade goods. I'll give you three of my trade goods. And it's like, "Okay, cool. It's like um, and then like the very next turn, the guy you just traded with like invades one of your planets. And you're like, oh, God. But uh, Twilight Imperium is uh, it it looks like a hardcore board game because it's, Mm. it's played on it's played on this huge grid of X's. Where each hex represents a, a quadrant in the galaxy. And there are, just like Cosmic Encounter, there are, I think, 17 races in Twilight Imperium, each with their own um, variable powers and special abilities and strengths and weaknesses. So some races are really, really good at military, and their path to victory is going to be like, okay, I just got to take my strong military units and I just have to, you know, bully my way to victory. I have to, you know, invade everyone's planets and kill all their units. That's my path to victory. Uh, some races are really good at economics. So I might be playing a race that's really good at generating uh, resources or or trading. Uh, I might be playing a, a race that's really good at science and technology. So, um, you know, there's all these technologies you can research in TI. And you might, you know, uh, research a bunch of good technologies that give you uh, either uh good position on the board or you know uh the other thing that's cool about ti is the way you score points is based on a deck of cards that is randomized so you never know yeah you never know um you'll have a certain amount of objectives and you'll never know what those objectives are until you start playing the game uh i gotta tell you
1: anytime you add a deck of cards into a tabletop game yeah you got my attention
0: there are many, many decks of cards in Twilight Imperium. <laughs> there's a deck of cards for objectives. There's a deck of cards for um, what they call tactic cards, which are basically they're basically like fuck you cards. They're just like little cards that say like, oh, hey, there was a reactor meltdown on your planet and three of your people died. Sorry. like, And you're just like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> um, there's a card of agendas because at a certain phase in Twilight Imperium, you all have to sit on... Basically, you have to sit around the Galactic Senate from the Star Wars prequels and agree on what galactic laws should be. So there will be like a Speaker of the House that nominates a law and everyone has to vote on whether or not this should be a law or if we should vote against it. Uh, there's a deck of cards that is your technology deck that you can research. There's all sorts of decks of cards. This game anyway, sounds it is really
1: complicated.
0: It is incredible. This is the heaviest, most complex game on my list, and it will wow. no lie if you have not played this game before, it will take you ten at ten plus hours, the majority of your day from sun up to sundown. You That'll like? Be like are you enjoyed it though?
1: Like you enjoyed playing this game? I will things? honestly
0: tell you, the first two or three times I played this game, I actually did not enjoy it because because there is so much buildup and like you get backstabbed so many times over the course of like seven, eight, nine hours. You're just like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, however, I've, I've played this game probably between, uh, probably close to 10 times now, Wow, which is a lot for an eight hour game, a hundred
1: hours um, of life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> uh, I, I've, I'll say this we've established like a regular play group and we have our play time down to like four or five hours. So you don't have like quite as much invested in it. Like you've only spent like two or three hours building up your awesome race as opposed to like six hours you know right. which like six hours is like most of the day and when like somebody comes in and destroys what you've been working on for six hours you're just like <laughs> fuck yeah you or it was this it's just like oh fuck you you know <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah
1: so it's uh, slightly less, less slightly less fuck
0: yeah that's good <laughs> uh but also um i don't know i've just learned <laughs> i there's a lot there there's a lot of complexity in this and you, you there's a lot you can sink your teeth into if you want to get like serious about this game, like learning how the different races play and like the meta on like which ra- what each race should be to- doing on every turn. Anyway, wow. it's a ridiculous game. Uh, yeah. Twilight Imperium.
1: All right. I'll have to um, avoid that one. Um, <laughs> <all
0: right. laughs> Next time you're down, I'm forcing you to waste an entire day playing <laughs> this with us.
1: All right. I'll be sure to uh, only come over for like, an hour um okay so uh my number four is uh, another card game this is the last card game of my of my list here but i feel like it's worth mentioning as a classic tabletop game you mentioned it earlier it's uh more of a what? Party. card game is above magic well again this is tabletop category so this is different mm. this is more of a okay, part, okay. party game um so okay. that you would all play around the tabletop it's a multiplayer thing Yes, yeah. it's, it's cards against humanity
0: Nice, yeah. um, just kind classic of classic party game. Classic
1: party game, tabletop fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think, what I love about it is that it's uh, very offensive, and sometimes yes. I'm very offensive, and I fully mm-hmm. accept offensive things. Um, so, so I, and I think the most fun I've had playing Cards Against Humanity is playing with people who don't like being offensive. <laughs> Anytime you get to play Cards Against Humanity and someone well let me me talk about real quick like if if you've never played if you've been living under a rock and you've never played cards yeah um, yeah. it is basically a game in which you try to get points by getting um the chosen reader of the cards to vote for your um your combination of cards everyone gets a hand of i forget how many white cards that just have like a phrase on it uh and then the reader takes one black card off of the Community pile that has some sort of blank or you know saying something where that where everyone chooses the white card that goes with the black card and basically the reader reads them all out and then just it's it's apples to apples if you've ever played it but it's for adults yeah Uh, I was
0: I was just about to say it is pretty much apples to apples but filthy
1: but filthy right And, and that's I mean that's inherently one of the problems with this game is I don't think like the base game by itself has a whole lot of replayability it's like. The whole premise of the game is like these cards are shocking and they're they're fun in the combinations that are created, but yeah, they're also like you know once you play it like two or three times you've seen them all, um, and so right, that's why I right. think the company has come out with just countless numbers of expansions. And, yeah, um, yeah. Oh my god. The, yeah, there's. So many- I tried to
0: keep up for a while. Like I have the. Bigger, blacker box, and I had like all the numbered one, and then it just got ridiculous. There's, yeah. they come out with like every every year they come out with a ridiculous promotion mm-hmm. where they, you know, they started digging a hole to China. They bought a piece of land in Texas to <laughs> prevent the wall being built. Yeah, they, the company has done do? lots, lots just, of
1: really interesting things.
0: Yeah, just these absurd things. They, I I, there, was they there was a Christmas.
1: There was a Christmas. Uh, yeah. Marketing there was, campaign. There was,
0: there was a Hanukkah one too. I'm pretty sure. But I
1: think that was funny because the Christmas one, like people paid like a like a bunch of money for like an empty box uh-huh. or something. I don't remember. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. And usually those are also come with a deck of cards. Uh, but yeah, I have so many. I'm looking at my collection right now. I have so many cards that like I have more cards than you could ever play, and there's still so many expansions that I don't even have.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... It, it's I guess gotten a little ridiculous. That, that you know, makes it so that you can always pick up a brand new expansion you've never played yeah. with, get a bunch of new cards you haven't seen, and uh, maybe go back and play a little Cards Against Humanity with some of the new stuff. <laughs> um, exactly. Just that to, that uh, game
0: is a collector completionist's oh, nightmare. No, though. yeah. I would not yeah. recommend
1: it for collecting. Uh,
0: my number three is my... After you've played Betrayal and you've been disappointed by too many bullshit scenarios, my number three is my recommendation for where to go after Betrayal at the House on the Hill, and that is uh, Mansions of Madness. Uh, This is definitely an uh, HP Lovecraft, whatever, Cthulhu-themed game. It is also, interestingly, an app-driven game. So in order to play this game, you'll either need a smartphone, a tablet, a computer something to run this app with Uh, because basically in in betrayal you you know you you can explore in any direction whatever and just start laying tiles down and usually what happens is you end up with like you end up with a house that makes no fucking sense first of all (laughs) like structurally like structurally it makes no sense because like you'll just have these huge like sprawling pathways out into nowhere uh, but in mentions of madness um, when you explore into a new room you actually the app will tell you uh, the, the exact tile to lay down and it this is kind of the solution if you don't like the wobbliness of betrayal yeah. i was gonna uh, say mansions, this earlier i'm gonna wait
1: for our top five because mm-hmm. this in mine as well
0: yeah mentions of madness is to a pretty good extent aware of the board state yeah. so like and and all of the scenarios are pre-generated. So when you click a scenario that you want to play, the rules are already in there. Like there, there's no you know there's no randomness. There's no randomness to the
1: uh, to, what, whatever, to like the, the, the variables. Or, you know the yeah. It's yeah. like it's like it's it's as, all... if, it's as if it's as if you've played Betrayal without the randomness of which event occurs mm-hmm. halfway through. It already exactly. knows which event is going yeah. to occur halfway through the game.
0: Yeah, there is no randomness to the variables. Right. It, the, all the variables are all pre-programmed and all that stuff. Uh, mostly, there there is some randomness for yeah. sure. But anyway, uh, it's betrayal if betrayal was not random. <laughs> uh, not as random. The the right, yeah. The one thing is uh, mansions is almost always a strictly cooperative mm-hmm. game. So there, if you like, if you like the you know one versus many. Uh, aspect of betrayal. Maybe Mansions is not the game for you, but uh, uh, in most scenarios, you're strictly cooperating with everyone else at the table, unless uh, somebody goes insane. Uh, which I, I love the way they ha- handle insanity in Mansions right. of Madness because um, you have uh, insanity cards, a deck of insanity cards, and they have a you're dealt a new win condition, which is sometimes. An additional win condition but it's sometimes a brand new win condition that you're not allowed to tell anyone else at the table so basically for all intents and purposes you just start behaving erratically (laughs) and you can't explain to anyone else why you're behaving erratically which is like a perfect like i don't know if if you're trying to thematically capture that captures madness yeah, yeah.
1: yeah
0: you're just like oh god you can't trust leo anymore he's just you know He's he's running around the house and picking up random items and dumping them in the yeah. attic, and you're just like, I have no <laughs> what idea what he he's trying doing? to do. Right. Like, yeah, well, it's yeah. always always no idea if we can trust, trust him or, or not. Yeah. In yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Mansions of madness. That's a great choice. I it's I love good. that game
1: actually. Um, it
0: is good. So
1: my number three uh, is going way back to the classic whoa tabletop game the one that you could say really yep. started it all in terms of yeah. nerdy tabletop games i'm speaking of course of dungeons and dragons
0: oh i thought you were gonna say chess
1: well no chess uh yeah i guess chess could be a tabletop game but uh, uh yeah i mean yeah. that's not really so nerdy i mean no. D and no, D, it's not nerdy, yeah. but
0: you're you're you know the one that started it all. No, it well, was, well, I, how can you get any more classic <laughs> than chess?
1: Well, what I mean by started started it all, I'm talking about started the nerdy yeah. Yeah. board games, yes. right? Absolutely. Because I yeah, feel like yeah. I feel like before D and D, you know, we had different types of board games for chess or I don't know checkers and uh, I don't know, Monopoly or whatever. But D and D, I think, took this concept of. Um, jrr tolkien's fantasy world and then applied these like statistic based stats or whatever strength and dexterity or whatever to you the player yeah. and then you all just went around and like a created your own board game and and and, mm-hmm. and betrayal uh or actually more mansions of madness actually is a little bit like D in that you have a dungeon master who's kind of guiding the game but in mansions of madness of course it's an app that's the dungeon master um right so so with dnd it's, it's it's another player so a little bit more creativity and what could happen a little bit more randomness in terms of like they don't always know what the best answer is or they might be missing some information or have messed something up when they were planning the game and so some crazier things can happen um but the flip side is it's also a little bit more sort of in your head um uh you know typically yeah. people will bring like a map and some miniatures maybe or something but um mm-hmm. but it is kind of a little bit more free and modular game um i had never really played dnd until recently actually i think uh earlier this year or last year late last year Ooh. uh yeah and i played dnd fifth edition um which mm-hmm. uh is a lot more i think casual friendly so that's specifically the edition mm-hmm. i would recommend for people to check out
0: nice nice Excellent. Classic Uh, Mm D&D. My number two is uh, a game that is uh, licensed from one of my favorite movies, uh, which is Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, It is also based on a classic 1997 PC game, also called Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, The PC game is like really weird and it's the type of game that could only exist in 1997 it's this very (laughs) long it (laughs) it's like to play one game of pc 1997 pc rebellion is like i don't know the game takes like mm, seven eight nine ten hours it's like a game of ti right right. (laughs) it's like but you're only playing like one campaign and it tried to like thematically capture the entire star Wars trilogy from like, cause there's like all these planets and you know, you're, you're trying to conquer all the planets, but like you also have all the characters like Luke and Leia and then Just like, you know, somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so like, there's like these things where like, Oh, you know, Luke has to go rescue Han from Jabba of the hut or something like that. And you're like, Oh, well I needed Luke to go on this other mission. You know, that sort of <laughs> thing. Anyway, uh, star Wars rebellion, the board game. Uh, is attempting to capture what made the PC game interesting. I wouldn't say good, because I don't think the PC game is actually that good. Uh, but kind of what made that game interesting, which is uh, this weird asymmetric battle between the Star Wars Rebels, the Rebel Alliance, and the Galactic Empire. So, and, and for the record, this is my number two favorite board game of all time. The board game is way better than the PC game, because... First of all, it's shorter. You can get the board game done in like two hours, and second of all, you can play it against somebody else. So, like, that's cool. Uh, where I think, you I think you could do it in the PC game, but most of the time in the PC game, you're playing against the computer. But also, the board game is way more uh, balanced, um, mm. even though it's completely asymmetrical. It's it's still pretty balanced. I've played. No, no fucking joke. I've played probably between 30 and 40 games of Star Wars Rebellion. And it's been split pretty evenly between Empire and Rebellion. And at this point, me and my friend I play this with all the time, we are pretty fucking deep in the meta of Star Wars Rebellion. (laughs) Like, we've exploited everything there is to exploit. We know all the rules. We know all the ins and outs. And I'd say it's pretty fucking balanced. Um, But basically... uh, uh, at the beginning of the game, the Empire has control of all these planets and has this huge board state advantage, right? They have all these, you know, Star Destroyers and, and you know, AT, ATs and Stormtroopers and just legions of troops, right? And right. the Rebellion doesn't have that. They have, like, just a handful of ships and some dudes a little bit. You know, they might have control of one planet, but they have the secret rebel base, right? and the Empire uh, that has all the big armies, their win condition is they have to find and destroy the secret rebel base. Ah, but it's Whereas, secret. Yes, but it's secret. So they have no idea where on this huge map of sprawling planets, and this is the same win condition from the PC version, by the way, mm. um, for the for, uh, for the Empire. Uh, <laughs> uh, they have no idea where in the galaxy the secret base is. Um, but the thing that made it bullshit in the PC version is all the rebellion had to do was take Coruscant, <laughs> whereas it whereas in the because like it's so easy you just there's just one planet you just have to go take this one planet. But like that whereas was the, the wind empire
1: condition?
0: for the rebellion. Whereas oh, yeah. the empire has the same wind condition, they have one planet, but they have no idea where in the galaxy it is, so it could be any, you know? And yeah. the the rebels can move it whenever they want, so yeah. it was like way harder to play as the. Empire. <laughs> as the empire anyway the, uh, the way they balance this in the board game is there's a ticking timer so um uh basically if you don't do anything i think it's like 14 rounds after like 14 rounds or something like that the rebellion automatically wins but they can push the timer up faster by completing secret objectives and their secret objective might be like um you know you have to go sabotage three of the empire's home planets and you have to send in order to uh, accomplish like sabotage missions, you have to to, uh, send from some of the like rebel Alliance heroes, you know, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Luke Skywalker, Leia, whatever on these missions to go try to sabotage the planets. But the empire is trying to foil you at the same time. So they have Darth Vader, the emperor, you know, all the, all the famous names from the movies and all that stuff uh th- so you're, you're sending your heroes on to accomplish these secret objectives and the empire is trying to thwart you well at the same time they're trying to figure out where your base is uh it's a really fun hmm. strategy game very very fun strategy game because like at the end of it it's almost always like oh i had no idea where the hell you were like oh i was on tatooine like oh you <laughs> were on tatooine like oh man that was the one place i didn't check you know right like you end up with those sort of things a lot. Um, or it's like, you know, just because of the hidden information of the Rebel base creates a lot of, like, tension uh, throughout the whole game. Uh, it's very good. Um,
1: I feel like, though, you are Wars... not getting the most out of that game unless you are dressing up as your favorite Star Wars characters Ooh, while you play. Got it. Yeah.
0: I've never done That is one thing I have not done. Dressed up. I've played this game 30 or 40 times. I've never dressed up as my favorite Star Wars <laughs> character while I played it. Throw, I'll the, to throw to...
1: the cloak and hood on and be like yeah. execute
0: order 66. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's a very good asymmetrical strategy game. Star Wars Rebellion.
1: Cool. Uh my number two is coming back to your number three, James. Whoa. Mansions of Madness. It's really good. But since you took Mansions of Madness and I had a slash on the end of it, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Lord of the Rings Journey to Middle Earth.
0: Oh, this is, yeah, I really want to hear about this. I've not played it and yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If you liked Mansions of Madness,
0: Uh boy,
1: oh boy, let me tell you about Lord of the Rings and Journeys to Middle Earth because it is Uh arguably the better Mansions of Madness. Why is it better? Everything you like about it, but better. Uh, First of all, I got to say, I am a big Lord of the Rings fan. So take this with a grain of salt. I'm sure that's part of the reason why I really enjoy it.
0: Am I still going to like this game if I don't like Lord of the Rings?
1: Uh, Yes, because it's still just, in a nutshell, the same sort of game mechanics as Mansion of Madness. I don't really Mm. like HP Lovecraftian madness horror, but I like Uh, the mechanics of Mansion of Madness enough to buy the game so in a similar vein uh lord of the rings still has a lot of the same mechanics there's still an app that runs the game for you there's still these randomized tiles uh that you place according to how the game directs you you have characters Mm. with stats and you have skill tests and then there's some sort of enemy Uh, movement the 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 app controls and then some sort of major event or objective that gets introduced later on in the game which of course i always like um Mm -hmm. but everything is thematically lord of the rings so uh you play one of uh in the base game it just came out recently so you know i'm sure there's going to be more classic characters as they produce expansions but you can play one of six characters uh aragorn gimli uh legolas uh Bilbo randomly and then two characters uh Elena and Barovir who are actually I found out um fictional like they're not canonical Lord of the Rings characters but there are Mm -hmm. just a couple extra female characters that they introduced in another board game like in 2011 or something 2013 uh, um, so they brought over some probably of Probably
0: Lord of the Rings, the card game or something like probably. that. I don't,
1: yeah, I don't know. I forget what it was. But basically, these are, these are some female characters that uh, I don't know if it's just fan, fan, uh, Fantasy Flight Games that came up with them or what. But they're in there yep. just to have some more female characters, <laughs> I guess, because Lord of the Rings is kind of a sausage yeah. fest. Um, right. So we play one of those six characters. Now, here's the differences that I've found and I've really enjoyed. Okay, them. here we go. Yep. Uh, number one, and the biggest difference between Journeys to Middle Earth and mansions of madness and you know you put a deck of cards in the game and i'm more inclined to like it they removed Mm. the dice oh so there is no longer a dice roll for your skill tests in mansions of madness you would Mm -hmm. roll x amount of dice depending on which stat you were testing Yep. instead in journeys to middle earth each player each um character chooses a role typically the roles match the characters like bilbo is like the smuggler or Stealth Rogue or whatever, and Aragorn is the captain and Legolas is the hunter and Gimli is the guardian. But your roles don't have to. You can choose a different role for each character if you like. But basically your role which that you choose and your character, uh, along with um, some cards that everybody gets makes up a deck. And like any other typical deck building game, you put your deck in a pile, you shuffle it up, and you start you, you like have like a starting hand sort of, and then when you were to have a skill test. Let's say uh you try to lift a rock out of the way and it requires a, a strength check, and your character has mm-hmm. three strength, you draw three cards from the top of your deck, and then each card has the success or the um like the currency mechanics, so you can turn it into a success if you spend a currency, right? Yep, in Mansions, yep, yep, that's yep, clues. Yep. In this game, it's uh influence. Yep. So each card has that printed on the left side. So if you draw three cards, and two of them are the success icon on the left, you've passed the strength test. Um, uh-huh. And then alternatively, these cards also function as, like, so they have text on them that you ignore during the, during the skill tests. But right, otherwise, yeah. if you were to play the cards, like normally there's a certain mechanic called scouting where you just draw, look at two cards. Then you look at the text of the card, mm-hmm. and you can put that, like, in your inventory, and it gives you some sort of stat boost or when you were to do this type of test, you can discard this card to turn your things into successes or you know, whatever. So so the whole skill testing and mechanics and everything is built into like a deck game rather than dice rolling. Um, which is really, really fun. Interesting.
0: Uh, and then
1: there's a couple yep. of quality of life things like um, in Mansions of Madness, I think you have to spend an action to explore, right? Like the, yep. like the next room, mm-hmm. you would have to like spend an action to open the door and then it tells you what tile right. to put in next and what things might be in that room in Lord of the Rings. You don't have to spend an action to explore. So it frees you up because you only have two actions per turn. So you can choose to Mm -hmm. move into a new tile. It automatically gets explored. You usually get some sort of like your clue, the equivalent of a clue token for exploring. And then it tells you what's on that tile, but you still have an action to do. So you can move again or uh, attack or interact with something or whatever. Um, Interesting. So there's a couple little tweaks like that. And I think the app is just overall they, they took some things they learned from the mansions app and tweaked some things mm. and polished some things. And uh yeah, it's to me it's just the better Mansions of Madness in every way.
0: Mm, it's very interesting. That the way they use cards is very similar to uh Arkham Horror, the card yeah, game. Was a... Which is again back in the HP Lovecraft universe, but yeah, the, the way you were describing that sounds like exactly the same thing as uh, Arkham Horror I'm Guardian. a big fan of it.
1: Uh, um, I, I like that. They, and, oh, and let me say this. The models, um, this mm-hmm. might be the first miniatures I actually paint. I've never painted miniatures oh, before. Ooh, do because it. Because they are superbly detailed.
0: Yes, right, yeah. So uh, Fantasy, Flight, Fantasy Flight's pretty good with their miniatures. Yeah. Um, um, and speaking of Fantasy Flight... Uh, my number one is Android Netrunner, uh, which oh, I've course. talked about Netrunner a lot. But that makes a clean sweep of all five of my games being Fantasy Flight games.
1: Uh, <laughs> really? oh, I don't know.
0: Heard. Yes, uh, all of them. Cosmic Encounter, Twilight, they do Geary, Mention gonna Madness, Star Wars Rebellion, and Android I, I, They make fantastic board games. They make a lot of good games. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. Uh, they make a lot of games I really like. Like Android Netrunner, another thing I'm realizing, um, I'll give a quick, uh, this is probably the third or fourth time I've explained Netrunner on this podcast. It's an asymmetric card game where one person is a hacker, one person is playing as a hacker, and the other is playing as a corporation. So, basically, the hacker is trying to hack into the corporation's servers and steal their private data, and the corporation is trying to put firewalls up to keep the hacker out. So, um, by nature, it's a uh, asymmetric game, but um, because you know somebody's hacking and the other one's trying to protect, the corporation wins if basically they can keep the information in their servers a certain number of turns without the hacker stealing it. They get to score some points, and the hacker gets if the hacker gets in and gets that information, they get the points instead. So uh, yeah, uh, Android Netrunner—it's a game about hacking—and the other thing I'm realizing is so many of the games in my top five have asymmetry. I was just Uh, about to say that.
1: You said asymmetrical Cosmic
0: Encounter, Twilight Imperium, Star Wars Rebellion, and Android Netrunner are all asymmetrical games. And I wonder... You like asymmetry. I do, uh, because, like, fighting games are some of my favorite video games, uh, which,
1: Hmm.
0: by their nature, all fighting games are asymmetrical. Uh, I wonder if it's just, like... I don't know. There's just part of my brain that enjoys the asymmetry and enjoys, like thinking about like ooh like this this character or this race or this person whatever has this skill that interacts really well with this strategy or whatever i just enjoy thinking about you know or like how to counteract somebody else's strategy like oh this character is really good but he's got some weaknesses you know like this race is really good but they've got weaknesses here that you can exploit you know i enjoy thinking about the asymmetry a lot uh i think uh, what's your number one, man?
1: All right. Uh, my number one. Um, okay, so I don't know how the best way to say this. I, I'm just going to give I one no of the have no idea. Games. By,
0: the way, by the way, I have no idea what this is. I don't know. Okay.
1: Uh... okay, so all right, I'm going to just pick one game, okay? But it's really hard to pick one game. It's really this uh, whole genre that I like. But I'm going to yep. go with the first one I ever played and it's called the resistance.
0: Ooh, yeah. Okay. Social deduction games, yeah.
1: Social deduction games is really what I would yep. say because yep. every single one I've played I've enjoyed. But Resistance was the first and I think just the one that was like the easiest to pick up. Um I think there's been some other ones that I think are pretty casual friendly, like Werewolf maybe or something. Oh,
0: like. I love One Night Ultimate Werewolf. That's yeah. my favorite social deduction game.
1: Oh, okay. Love I've that. not played that one, actually. So I might maybe it would change if I had played that. But uh-huh. um, if you haven't played a social deduction game, it's fantastic. It's my favorite type of tabletop game at this point in my life. Uh, Have you played
0: Blood on the Clock Tower? Um, no. I really want to play that. That looks very interesting. I'm interested. You anyway. have me. You yeah. have my
1: attention. Um, so, like I said earlier, two of my favorite things are when either you have some uh, objective that doesn't show up until later in the game, as mentions Madness does. So that's why it's my number two. But my number one thing is when you have people in the room that know they are the bad guys as the same room as people who are mm-hmm, the good guys. Mm-hmm. I just love that tension. And the fact that you can't trust what anyone's saying and some people are just really good liars and like you just never trust them and then you finally do and then you find out that you were right not to trust them because they're assholes and they were a spy the whole time. <laughs> uh and that's the kind of thing that happens in resistance. It's uh you know the the, the whole point of the game is just that there's a spy, right? Everyone mm-hmm. like there's like one spy in a group of five people and you have to figure out who the spy is. Effectively,
0: there's some there's someone in the room who is not who they say they are, and right. who is it?
1: And the the game tries to get you to to figure that out by having people vote on a, on missions, and everyone puts these vote tokens in kind of face down, and maybe mix them around or something. I don't, I don't remember. And somewhere in the vote, like if there's like a no vote, you know that the spy was in that group of voters, you know, and so mm-hmm. you work through the rounds mm-hmm. of voting to try to narrow down who it is, and if the good guys figure out who the bad guy is in time, the good guys win, and if they don't, the bad guys win. Um, and then there's all these other, like... So the thing is, like, there's the Resistance, and then there's, like, Avalon, which added, like, the Merlin character who knows who the bad guy is but can't tell it outright to the good guys or something. And, like, there's all yes. these other...
0: I love, I love Avalon for Resistance. I, I will not play Resistance without Merlin.
1: Yeah, yeah. So all these other games have added all these other sort of characters that like know a lot and stuff on the side that tweak all the information that's that's handed around i don't know i love all these social deduction games there i'm a big fan of like awkward situations and those games lead to a lot of those (laughs)
0: yeah good list so that was um uh should we repeat them like so i had cosmic encounter twilight imperium mansions of madness star wars rebellion and android netrunner what were your top five
1: My top five were Magic the Gathering, Cards Against Humanity, Dungeons & Dragons. I'm going to go Lord of the Rings, Journeys, in Middle-Earth, and uh, Resistance. Nice.
0: Good list of good games. For sure. Um, Should we endorse? Yeah, why not? All right. Um, Well, I guess I can endorse. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is I'm endorsing. (laughs) But... um, I, I finished uh, so okay let me start out with this I I like to watch a lot of movies um, and I like to find um, certain creative creative voices or creative people in the in the movie industry like certain directors that I really right. like right um, and um, uh, maybe two or so years ago I whatever, watched the entire, basically the entire filmography of Stanley Kubrick. Uh, So 2001, a space odyssey. Uh, It is a great movie. Full metal jacket, uh, eyes wide shut, uh, clockwork orange, Mm. um, and The Shining. And I've, I've seen The Shining before and, you know, I watched it again. And um, my wife was like, Hey, she's getting really into Stephen King. And she was like, Hey, do you want to read The Shining? I was like no not really but I mean we could get an audiobook so whatever we listened to the audiobook on the way to work and it was really entertaining it was a very good uh, audiobook um, it, I don't know that that's necessarily what I'm endorsing but um, like the audiobook's fine it wasn't amazing it was fine but the cool thing was re-watching this movie I've seen I don't know I've seen The Shining probably 10 or 15 times Oh. re-watching The Shining after having listened to the audiobook was, like, eye-opening. Like, it was like seeing a completely new movie. Really? Uh, because you you have all the context of, like, all the things that happen in the book and, like, all the characters and all their backgrounds and everything, which has never gone into in the movie at all. Right. Um, yeah, it was, like, a really cool experience watching that movie with fresh eyes after reading the book. So I guess what I'm endorsing is... Read a book that has a corresponding movie, and then watch the movie. I guess <laughs> I always do and that. Then compare, compare the differences. I guess yeah. I don't know. Well, the unique the unique situation I was in is like I had already seen this movie fifteen times, and then right. read the book right. for the first time, right. and then went back and watched the movie with fresh eyes. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Shining book and movie, or maybe more generically, just read a book that has a corresponding movie and then go watch that movie. You know, what's funny is compare. I've never
1: actually sat and watched the shining like all the way through.
0: Oh, it's, it's, it's a good movie. That is a very weird and freaky movie. It's not. Cause like people always talk about, Oh, it's the, the scariest movie of all time or whatever. And like the shining is almost always on those types of lists. Right. It's not, it's not. Cause like modern horror movies in the past, like 10, 20, 30 years will have, like, you know, lots and lots of jump scares, and, like, um, like there is a clear danger in, in these types of movies, mm. right? In, like, modern horror movie The thing that makes The Shining, I think, scary is, like, first of all, there's almost no jump scares in The Shining. Like, the thing that makes it scary are, like... The weirdness? The weirdness. It's that, like... Uh.
1: Like, that's actually scarier to me. It's though. like
0: something like I love in The Shining, the movie, Room Two Thirty Seven, because you know that something is terribly wrong in Room Two Thirty Seven, no. but it just no, looks like creepy. any other room. It just looks like that's any creepy. other room, but
1: you know like it's wrong. Um, oh, no, that's creepy. I don't like yeah, that. That's worse. Yeah.
0: yeah, the the thing that makes The Shining scary is like you don't know what is scary. Mm. like it's it's you don't immediately you can't immediately recognize what the threat of scary is in the shining there is not just one i mean obviously jack nicholson goes crazy and kills his family but like there's so much of that there's so much of the movie that is like you know just abstracted like what is scary here is it ghosts is there like some force that's driving these characters to do these things like they keep having these visions like where are these visions coming from you know it's uh it's an abstract scary, and I think that is what makes the movie scary—the abstract feeling of being afraid.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's deep. That's <laughs> the deep Shining.
0: Deep. Yeah, there
1: you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, now that I'm uh, rightfully creeped out, mm-hmm. I'm going to turn this back to a fun, a fun thematic uh, conversation. Let's go back to the talk about board games for my. Hey, adult. there you go. Uh, this was, I guess, an honorable mention, um, but I just kind of wanted to throw it in my endorsements because it's it's kind of a weird choice. For it's not really a tabletop game. I'm talking of a game I kickstarted, I, I backed yeah. on Kickstarter Ooh. called Throw Throw Burrito. What uh, the hell? You have not heard of this game? No. Oh, this game is fantastic. The game is called Throw Throw Burrito. It's from the creators of Exploding Kittens. The card oh, game. okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So it is. A card game plus dodgeball. (laughs) Good. And if you could imagine those two things together in your head, it's probably exactly like that. (laughs) Good. Um, (laughs) The game comes with two plush, little soft cartoon burritos, kind of, they fit snugly in your hand. Uh, and then the, it's a card game in which you play with three or four people around a table and try to make matches. They, like the cards in the, in the deck are like um, animals or something. And you have to match like three of the same card and slap them down. And, and then that's like a point. Mm-hmm. But then some of the matches you can make are instead of like animals, they are types of burrito fights. So there might be Amazing. a burrito duel. Um, um, or a burrito war or burrito uh, brawl. Um, And there's slightly different dodgeball rules, but effectively once someone plays a burrito match, some sort of burrito fight, everything stops. People rush for the burritos on the center of the table and it turns into a game of dodgeball. And the first person (laughs) to lose gets like a negative score to their overall score. And you basically just keep going until all the little negative scores are handed out. And whoever has the highest score number of matches and scores without getting, you know, without like adding in the the minuses from the dodgeball game um, uh, wins. So it's like a weird thing where it's like, it's kind of a really hectic. um, The first time I played it with the backer version, you got actually two copies of the game. And Mm. so we had four burritos, like seven dudes. Uh, I was playing with some kids ranging from middle school to high school um, and some, uh, some adults as well. And dude, it was like just absolute mayhem. Like, there was burritos flying everywhere. There was cards everywhere. There was running around. People were sweating. <laughs> Someone like ran like half a mile away to dodge a burrito. Like, didn't want to get hit. Like, it was it was just a lot of fun. So
0: that sounds amazing.
1: Um, I think you can probably get it in stores soon. I, I know it went out to backers a little early, and uh, and I'm sure you can expect it in your typical distribution places soon.
0: That sounds incredible. It's... What a very unique board game. Um, yeah. all right, so uh, next episode, are we good? Are we going to be good for Final Fantasy 8 the eighth I th- one?
1: I think so. I'm I'm uh, reaching about a- halfway through. Um, I'm as far as I I'm
0: close to the end now, yeah. I'll, I'll so I'll be ready.
1: I'll amp it up in the next couple weeks, all right. All right, get it, get it done uh no word from john on how much he's played <laughs>
0: well it might just be another two-person episode next week maybe we'll see maybe. i'm more inclined uh, to anyway. have john
1: in and then we'll just talk about it and make him very yes
0: I, and then ask him to explain it back to us yeah because <laughs> i can barely explain that game and i've played it
1: <laughs> and I, it's a, it's a yeah. weird game anyway is, uh
0: more on more on that next episode all right uh but for now, for the Good Games podcast, uh, my name is James. I'm Leah. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Good, good bye. goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah. my favorite thing is when someone who's like, you know, Susie, you know, from church. Comes over right. and like, let's play a fun yep. game together. And they're like, yeah. all right, Susie, have you ever played Cards Against Humanity? And she's like, no. And then, uh, oh,
0: what's this?
1: And then the first time she picks up the card that just says, like, I don't know, what's one of the worst jerking off into a pool of children's, children's tears, tears or oh something. no yeah and then you just try to get her to like read the card and she's probably like cracking up and can't even i can't say this i can't even read this i can't you know that's just the most yeah. fun to me just trying to get people just to like <laughs> let down their walls and just read this ridiculous shit one of the one of the
0: <laughs> one of the most fun times i've had playing with you was with it was with you yeah. it was with you and your wife and a couple of other people that i knew yeah. and also a bunch of people that i didn't know at all it was like <laughs> yeah. the first time i had ever met yeah them. that's the best and i've played i've i've played cards against humanity so many times now that i like i'm familiar with all the cards and what they say right. and i realized that like i was re i was reading off all these like you know very taboo shocking things right as though they were just nonchalant it was like <laughs> you know oh like Eating someone's ass, okay, whatever. Like yeah. you know, jerking off into a pool of children's tears, yeah. okay, ha ha ha. Yeah. Like you know, I'm like, oh, oh, you guys don't, yeah, okay, yeah, you guys don't
1: know what these yeah. say. Yeah, every time they're freaking I was, out, was, and you're like, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like,
0: oh my god. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm being very casual about this. I right.
1: uh, just wanted to go yeah. over real quick some of my favorites. I have them saved here. I have a, I've oh, actually oh, have oh, a, oh, here we go. I have a photo yeah. album of some of my favorite cards against humanity. Oh, here we uh, go. This yeah. one was. Um, if you can't handle blank, you'd better stay away from blank. That was the black card. Yep. So uh-huh, uh, yep. the winning white cards were, if you can't handle actually getting shot for real, you'd better stay away from the Virginia Tech Massacre. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's for my good. next trick, One I will point. pull blank out of blank. Uh, the winning yeah, cards we were, are. for my next trick, I will pull Dead Parents out of Auschwitz. That's just oh. classic, classic, oh. just... You know, filthy kind of stuff you'll see in Cards Against Humanity. So, uh, yeah, it's all good fun.